Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.16 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the fourth day of Spooktober 2023, and this is episode 805 of Bitcoin. And we've got a couple of things. You know, we got a, quite a few things to cover because I skipped uh, yesterday's show. Couldn't be helped. It's just one of those things. <coughs> and honestly, it was kind of a dead day. There was only a few real pieces of news. Everything else was just going to be filler, and I just didn't feel like doing that to you guys, so... Uh, we've got a be- I've got a much better lineup for today. So, if you want to, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry, if you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Go get yourself a modern podcast app that supports Podcasting 2.0 from NewPodcastApps.com. That's NewPodcastApps.com, or at least as far as I know. You can also just go to uh, to uh, Podcast Index. Let me podcast index and let me, uh, let me get, no, that's podcaster wild hon podcast index. There we go. We'll do that one. And then we'll go to podcastindex.org, And then there are apps. Okay. So if you go to podcastindex.org forward slash apps, You'll find all manner of podcasting 2.0 applications. You'll find a lot more than that. You'll also find stuff like PeerTube and RSS.com, but you'll find Blueberry, PodFans, uh, Podcast Guru, Castapod, and just start using those and then you'll be able to stream me Satoshis or throw me Boostagrams and help support the show and help support the other podcasters that you also know and love because without you guys listening to the shows, we wouldn't be here. So if you want to support the show again, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Podcastindex.org forward slash apps or new podcast apps.com. El Salvador. Let's do it. El Salvador in the news. They are launching the first Bitcoin mining pool as volcano energy partners with Luxor. And this is written by none other than who? Gareth Jenkinson from Cointelegraph. El Salvador officially launched its first local Bitcoin mining pool as the Volcano Energy Project begins mining blocks through Lava Pool in partnership with Luxor Technology. The Bitcoin-friendly country's $1 billion renewable energy project has made headlines earlier in 2023 with stable coin issuer Tether among companies investing in the project that plans to generate electricity from renewable sources in El Salvador to power future Bitcoin mining operations within the country. 
Volcano Energy is tapping into Luxor's experience in providing Bitcoin mining software and services. The project will also use Luxor's hash rate forward marketplace to mitigate market volatility through automated risk management strategies used by other major Bitcoin mining operators. A statement from Volcano Energy Chief Strategy Officer Gerson Martinez highlighted ongoing efforts by El Salvador to secure first mover advantage as a Bitcoin adopting nation state. Quote, Our vision is to create a vertically integrated energy and Bitcoin mining company whose value is accretive to investors and to all Salvadoran citizens, end quote. Luxor's chief operating officer, Ethan Vera, said the establishment of Volcano Energy and the start of local Bitcoin mining will contribute to Bitcoin's ethos of geographical decentralization. The announcement also mentions the potential for countries with abundant renewable energy sources to use Bitcoin mining to improve the economics of new energy projects. Mining operations can provide a flexible buyer of first and last resort for energy producers and act as an alternative revenue stream. As a public-private partnership, Volcano Energy is set to contribute 23% of its net income from mining operations to the El Salvador government. Mining profits are also set to be reinvested into energy transmission and infrastructure to stimulate economic and technological growth in the Central American nation. The first phase of the Volcano Energy Project involves the construction of, get this, a 241-megawatt renewable energy park in Metapan that will comprise 169 megawatts of photovoltaic energy and 72 megawatts of wind power. The long-term goal of the project is to tap into abundant geothermal energy in the country. In a previous exclusive interview with Cointelegraph at the Money 2020 conference in Amsterdam, Tether's chief technology officer, Paolo Arduino, said that the company's investment was aimed at diversifying its interest into energy production while making use of renewable energy to mine Bitcoin. Cointelegraph journalist Joe Hall traveled to El Salvador in 2023, documenting the adoption of Bitcoin as a means of payment in the first two years since the country became the first in the world to officially make BTC legal tender. So here's what's the most interesting part about this entire situation going on in El Salvador. And it has nothing to do with the fact that it's going on in El Salvador. We knew this shit was coming. It's that this is continued evidence that one, that crypto companies and, you know, Tether, I don't, it's not that I love them, but I don't, I don't hold the animosity to them like I do for like, I don't know, uh, Ether or Ethereum, you know, or the Aave protocol or D, God forbid DeFi. I don't love them. I sure as shit don't use Tether, but I don't like, I, I, I don't start hyperventilating about it either. The point is, is that they're fairly well connected to, well, what would be the Bitcoin economy. Lots of Bitcoiners use Tether, whether you like it or not. And what are they branching out into? Energy. In fact, when you think about it, almost every Bitcoin company that has branched out into something other than just Bitcoin, unless it's a shit coin, okay? That, that, that's another thing. They, they do do that. But aside from that, the only real other thing that Bitcoiners branch out into is energy. And energy companies are starting to branch out into Bitcoin. So Bitcoin 
again proves itself as a shelling point. Unbeknownst to two completely disparate industries, we have found common ground. That's the shelling point. That's what shelling point means. Unknown common ground that you both find yourselves upon and meet and come to agreements that you never would have thought would have ever occurred. That's a shelling point. Okay. So you got you got like Exxon, Texaco, Shell, Dutch Royal, Shell, whatever. They're starting to get into Bitcoin mining. And you've got all these Bitcoin miners and they understand that they need energy. So they're getting into energy. So between energy and Bitcoin, you have two almost completely unrecognizable industries from each other, not only shaking hands, but starting to sing Kumbaya and drinking whiskey together around a campfire, telling stories about their ex-girlfriends. This is amazing. And this is one of the reasons that the energy industry will never die, first of all. The legacy energy industries like Yeah, well, I'm not going to put coal in there because they've been pretty much technically eviscerated. But oil and gas, nuclear, and renewable, all those guys, they're all in agreement about what to do with waste energy. So this is all good news for Bitcoin. That's that's what I'm getting at here. All right, let's see what's going on here. Uh, Let's see if there's anybody in the live chat screaming at me. Oh, let's see here. Boost tag. Yeah, we tried that. Uh, uh, we need to dive into the prism stuff. Good morning, underscore boost. Okay, Node Runners Radio. Just uh, There are some people that still don't understand the boost tag, which is fine. It's like, what, 72 hours old. I get it. And it's also, honestly, it's confusing. The boost tag is confusing on Noster. So if you're not on Noster and you refuse to be there, I can't help you. And I sure as shit can't help you with the boost tag because the boost tag doesn't work anything in, in anything other than Noster. But it is a way to look at different ways of con- saying thank you to people that help you out. Like I put out an announcement of this show and I put the dollar sign and boost, which is the boost tag, not hashtag. It's the dollar sign. We used to call them cash tags over on Twitter, right? So it's dollar sign boost. And you do that in any note that you have. And if anybody boosts your note, right? Four people boost that note. 24 hours later, a the at Prism Noster account creates a Prism. And the Prism was defined by Dur Gigi. And the entire concept was created by Cucks. K-U-K-K-S, I believe. K-U-K-K-S. He's the one that actually came up with the idea. And the idea is if somebody boosts me and I have a prism in place, or if somebody gives me a zap, like let's say a thousand, and I've got a prism in place and it says basically equal splits to these 10 people. So 10% goes to every single person in the prism that I set up. All right, so somebody boosts me or uh, zaps me a thousand, a hundred Satoshis goes to everybody in my list. That's the way a prism works. Think of sunlight hitting a prism and then splitting into multiple different colors. Same thing. It's the same thing. 
In this case, I put out a boost or I put a a note out on Noster. I include the boost tag. The Prism's account picks that up and says, ah, this, we got to watch this tag or this note because it's got the tag in it. We're watching for this tag. It creates a Prism so that I don't have to. And then four people boost that. And 24 hours later, the Prism is now in effect. If I or anybody else goes back and boosts the Prism note that was released on 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 Noster, it's still confusing. I know, I get it, but it's a separate standalone note that contains my original note and says, if you boot or if you zap this prism, all the people that boosted the original note will get a split of that boot, of, of that zap. If 10 people, the way that prism is set up, if 10 people do it, I don't have to wait 24 hours. It comes into effect immediately. So if I or anybody else boosts that prism that was created from the note that I've got the cash tag boost thing in, then no matter who zaps that prism from now on, those 10 people will get part of that zap. I know it's confusing, but you really have to go try it out for yourself. If you are going to try it out for yourself, then put me like at Nunya Business, put me directly into the original note. And I will boost that note. So I will add to the amount of boosting that will be done. I'll try to get it boosted 10 times so that you can get and go through the entire process of getting a prism activated so that you can get to step two. And that is people boosting that prism. And then you seeing the people that boosted your original note sats from people getting zaps to that prism. I know I get it. That's why I'm saying I will help you out on Noster. Just write a note that you think is interesting, that you think other people will think is interesting, and put the the dollar sign boost into it. I will help you out, and I will do that. I'll do that today. But first, we've got to record the show and talk about three reasons that Sam Bankman Fried will be convicted, according to a former SEC lawyer. We're talking about Andrew Thervalis from Decrypt, uh, or or he's the one that's writing it. Former SEC attorney John Reed Stark took to social media on Monday with an in-depth forecast of how Sam Bankman-Fried's criminal trial is likely to play out. The disgraced ex-boss of defunct crypto exchange FTX faces sweeping fraud charges that may collectively earn him life in prison, though he will soon have his day in court. Excuse me. Stark says the founder's chances of acquittal are low. Very low, quote, rarely in the history of financial fraud prosecutions has a DOJ team possessed this level of unconstrained access to such an extraordinary treasure trove of witnesses and evidence, wrote the ex-lawyer on Twitter on Monday. Stark noted that many high-profile executives close to Bankman Fried who have already pled guilty to reduce their criminal sentences. They include... Co-founder Gary Wang, engineering director Nisha Singh, FTX Digital Market CEO Ryan Salami, and Alameda Research CEO and ex-girlfriend Caroline Ellison. Woohoo! Um Ellison, who was also SBF's on again, off again girlfriend, admitted in public that or rather admitted her in her publicly leaked diary that she felt Unequipped to run Alameda, the SBF-owned crypto trading desk deeply tied to the fraud. After leaking her diary to the media, SBF saw his bail revoked for witness tampering. 
With such a powerful lineup of cooperating witnesses, Stark believes the prosecution stockpile of documented evidence in Bankman-Fried's illegal dealings is arguably unprecedented for a financial fraud trial, end quote. He said John Ray III's handling of the exchange's bankruptcy will also likely weigh against its founder. A month after assuming control of the exchange, Ray testified before Congress stating that FTX was an unprecedented corporate failure due to its complete absence of trustworthy financial information, end quote. Stark believes Ray has likely handed the government most of his findings, offering access to a mountain of inculpatory evidence against SBF. Lastly, Bankman-Fried has likely already incriminated himself through his post-FTX public relations campaign, during which he engaged in multiple interviews with independent journalists, legacy media, and Twitter spaces in an attempt to clear his name, quote, SBF has simply refused to shut up. Stark wrote, continuing with the quote, whether SBF is crazy like a fox or just can't control his compulsive desire to bear his soul is a debate left for not just legal, but psychological experts as well. End quote. According to Stark, his hours of on-the-record explanations and responses open up major possibilities for impeachment, providing evidence that reveals inconsistencies and falsehoods in a person's statements over time. Federal prosecutors involved in the cryptocurrency fraud schemes told Decrypt last week that they also see few paths to victory for SBF. Daniel C. Silva, who helped prosecute BitConnect, said the trial would be pretty overwhelming if it is brought to a jury in the same way that it was laid out in the indictment. Jordan Estes, a partner at the law firm Kramer Levin, said Ellison's presence could add drama to the case that would ultimately align the jury against the FTX founder. As a prosecutor in a fraud case, that can be really important for telling the story and grabbing the jury's attention, she said. So according to this Stark guy, this SBF is going to go down because he won't shut up. He's incriminated himself beyond all manner of, of, of possibilities. He had his bail revoked, guys. Because he was witness tampering. I, I mean, all of this, it's almost as if he is making deadly sure he goes to prison and one has to ask the question why. Either he literally is mentally ill and needs very serious help. And I'm not, I'm not saying that being mean. I'm not saying that trying to be a funny guy. I'm, I'm deadly serious. Mental health is as important as anything else in your life. If you're an alcoholic, but completely mentally okay, you won't be for long. If you are mentally okay, but you are an insomniac, because for whatever reason, you just can't sleep well, your mental health is going to suffer. If you have bad nutrition for years and years and years, your mental health will eventually start to suffer. If you are coming out of the gates with mental health issues, then everything is in danger. Everything. Right? So it's, it's, I'm not being a funny guy. I'm being deadly serious. It is either he is mentally ill and needs large amounts and long, large amounts of help and long term help, or he has a reason for wanting to be in prison. I think it's the former. 
I don't think he wants to be in prison. I think he needs help. But it would be interesting. It'd be interesting to hear anybody else's theory as to why it would be in SBF's best interest to be in prison. Not, and I'm not talking about the theory of him wanting to not get killed because they can do that shit in prison. Okay, he's not safe in prison if somebody wants to, you know, off him because he's got too much information. But if he's acting as some kind of operative, why would he want to be in prison? Again, I don't think it's that, but it'd be interesting to hear the tinfoil hattery because those are always fun. I'm sorry, but they always are. What is not fun is the United States government framing Bitcoin privacy as criminal. Yes, this occurred. Apparently, it has occurred the day before yesterday. Lola Leitz is writing it in her continuing coverage for Bitcoin Magazine over this whole, oh, what is it? Oh, God. Uh, crypto analytics, right? If you're not following the, you know, the trial of Sterling, U.S. versus Sterling of Lola Leitz is, and she's uncovered something yet even more disturbing in a statement made by the United States government, or at least actions taken. Let's find out more in another unfortunate turn of events for anyone hoping their right to privacy to be protected as guaranteed by the United States Constitution, the United Nation Declaration of Human Rights, or any applicable state and federal law, the U.S. government has argued that the disclosure of proprietary chain analysis heuristics information in the case U.S. versus Sterlingov would, quote, jeopardize numerous law enforcement investigations and impact the effectiveness of law enforcement tracing tools, end quote, by enabling the development of, quote, criminal countermeasures to blockchain analysis, end quote. The oath each and every United States government employee pledges when first taking office reads, quote, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God in quote. Apparently this oath is only applicable so long as it serves the United States government's agenda while attempting to retain a protective order to seal the disclosure of chain analysis, heuristic information, the United States government has in essence argued that the right to privacy does not exist when transacting on the blockchain. In the newly released court documents, the United States government deems software developed to protect individual financial privacy on the blockchain, such as coin joins, as adversarial, contending that the disclosure of chain analysis training methods and techniques bears the reasonable expectation to enable circumvention of the law. Unfortunately, it is unclear which laws the United States government is referring to. The argument that the disclosure would enable criminals, drug trafficking organizations, and terrorists to circumvent law enforcement cannot be made in good faith as Chainalysis' own 2023 crypto crime report has found the overall transaction volume of illicit activity to lay at merely 0.24%. Just as the early internet was allegedly used for crime, the share of day-to-day -day commerce on the blockchain increases as Bitcoin adoption grows. 
It therefore cannot be argued that the development of privacy-protecting software is adversarial in any sense of the word except to chain analysis business model and the surveillance agenda of the U.S. intelligence complex who has invested $1.67 million in chain analysis back in 2020 and another $1.64 million USD in 2021 via the Central Intelligence Agency's Venture Capital Fund in QTEL. Yes, I'm pausing to say that in QTEL, is an actual thing. If you thought it was fake just because it came from Alex Jones's mouth, you're wrong. The United States Central Intelligence Agency has a venture capital fund. Its name is NQTEL. It does exist. They do actually invest in private industries, especially those that might have something to do with what? Surveillance. You're damn skippy they do. Don't think that they don't. Continuing. Now, as long as the development and use of privacy-protecting software such as PGP, E2EE, or VPNs cannot be deemed as criminal under the First and Fourth Amendments, neither can the development or use of software aimed to protect one's financial privacy in Bitcoin. However, it appears that constitutional frameworks do not stop the United States government from putting forward statements which directly undermine the people's right to protection from unwarranted surveillance. Classifying blockchain surveillance countermeasures as criminal is just another step the U.S. government has been taking towards the total surveillance of U.S. citizen communications in recent years. In 2015, Congress voted for the prolonging of the Patriot Act via the USA Freedom Act, which continues to allow the bulk collection of telecommunications data via telecommunications providers and the proposed EARNIT Act, which, in essence, would outlaw end-to-end encryption. So far, the only attempt to circumvent the law in the United States government's response to minute order is to be found in its own augmentation. That is a very brutal ending sentence. So far, the only attempt to circumvent the law in the United States government's response to minute order is to be found in its own argumentation. Response to minute order. Does anybody have any idea what response to minute order means? I don't know. I, you know what? Minute, maybe? It, I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I still like Lola Leets. Uh, I'm glad that she is on the case uh, on this thing. Yeah, of course it's distressing, but are you, the United States government is not run by Americans anymore. That's my view. And what I mean by that is, oh, you think that a bunch of foreign operatives got in. Well, yeah, but they were born as United States citizens. You just get my drift? They were programmed. Like, I just think that, you know, most of the people, not most, most of the people that call the shots in the United States government infrastructure have are, are basically a bunch of Manchurian candidates. When that whole, like, let's go tinfoil hat. What was the name of that? Uh, oh, not NQTEL. There was, um, oh God, a really famous, God dang it. Somebody tell me what the hell I'm looking for. Um, there's a really famous government program with LSD, uh, Human, oh God, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but, but essentially, there was a lot of stuff that was done in this particular program, and a lot of it had to do with 
how to program people from remote using narratives, messaging, media like radio, television, and advertising. Just believe it or not, advertising. Just general marketing. How do you program people's psychology for them to permanently act in a certain way that you want them to act? Right? Well, why is it that we continuously think that this was only done to get the population of countries to do what it is that they wanted them to do? Why wasn't it to program enough people to want to do what they were told to do, but also seek the highest offices in their countries? Yes, I'm going full-blown tinfoil hat. But the only way that I can credibly describe the actions of so-called quote-unquote Americans that are acting quote-unquote in the, at the behest of the American public in the United States government, the only way that I can describe that they're the, the reason why they're acting the way they're acting is because they're foreign agents. They're, they're taking up things that have nothing to do with what America was actually founded upon. I can't think of any other reason why this shit's being done. But again, we, everybody needs to look out for themselves with their privacy how they're going to, you know, like walk around this whole issue of chain analysis. Some, a lot of it, we're just not going to be able to get away from it, which is why just get out of the cities. As long as you are out in the country and, and uh, I think, I think they think that you're safe because you can't reach a whole lot of people. I don't know. I'm just at this point, my tinfoil hat has fallen off and I just need to move on. Um, Oh, speaking of chain analysis, uh, chain analysis has axed another 15% of its staff, citing difficult market conditions. Oh, oh my God. This is a few, uh, a couple sentences out of Cointelegraph. Blockchain analytics firm Chain Analysis has reduced its headcount by another 15% this week, citing the need to reduce expenses due to continued bear market blues. On October the 3rd, Chain Analysis confirmed to Cointelegraph that it had made the difficult decision to part ways with about 135 more staff. So 135 people is 15% of chain analysis. Let that shit sink in and then let this sink in. They had to get rid of them because they're not making enough money. This is our hope. This is what I hope for chain analysis, that they basically just go the fuck out of business. But what? here's what will happen. They probably will. But that bullshit black box software of theirs will be given to the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Justice, IRS, Treasury Department. They'll all have it. And nobody will be able to see how it works. Nobody will be able to get to use it. It's a black box. It's the perfect just point your finger and incriminate somebody. And this is the black box that you can do it with. It's un-American. It has nothing to do with the ideals this country was founded upon. Yet the highest offices in the land will use it against their own public. And the only explanation is that the people that are making those decisions in those offices are not actually fucking Americans anymore. Maybe they grew up as a kid watching Leave it to Beaver like the rest of us did. But they are not American anymore. Because they were mentally programmed through whatever fucking thing 
the intelligence companies or the intelligence agencies have to program the citizenry and got them into power so that they can execute what it is that the intelligence agencies want them to execute. I found my tinfoil hat is back on, but now it's off again because we've got to look at something completely different. Oh, we're not going to do that one. I want to do this one. Exit.pub. Speaking of exiting and getting out, out, out. Exit.pub version 3.0. Reliability improvements, satellite CDN support, service relays, and more. Exit lich social media users migrate their Twitter data, like old post threads and replies, to Nostra within a few clicks. Uh, here's what's new. Uh, there's reliability improvements. Uh, uh, this version is a significant improvement on reliability when publishing events fails or a relay, relay stops accepting your uh, events. Exit.pub will gracefully handle this and will allow you to assume the publishing where it left off. Uh, there is now an exit.pub relay. Quote, until now, many relays were rejecting backdated events. If none of your relays accepted any event, exit.pub would not give you any feedback. I have properly handled this now so that you know what's happening as well as adding uh, relay.exit.pub relay that will allow these imports. If exit.pub sees that your relays are all rejecting your imports, it will suggest to use this relay. (coughs) So Pablo F7Z still kicking ass. I need him to get some sleep. I'm afraid that he's going to go bye-bye if he doesn't, you know, if he gets too much uh, sleep deprivation. But now it's time to run the numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities. Uh, Looks like the inflation scare is running rampant in commodities markets Energy is looking pretty sour today. Oil, West Texas Intermediate, is down 4.4%, down to $85.03. Haven't seen that since the beginning of August. Brent North Sea is down, likewise, 4.29%, $87.02 per barrel. Natural gas, however, kicking ass, 1.39% to the upside, up to just under $3 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline is down, woo, a whopping 5.7%. To $2.22 a gallon. That's actually very odd. I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but mm, it, it actually doesn't make a lot of sense. It's This is bizarre. The, the whole thing is bizarre. Anyway, okay. Well, gold is also down, but by a fifth of a point to 1838. Silver is down almost a point. Platinum is down almost a half. Copper is down two, uh, no, three quarters of a point. Palladium is down two and a quarter point. Ag is basically fully mixed. Biggest winner today is going to be sugar, 0.74% to the upside. Biggest loser is going to be coffee, point, no, 1.6 to the downside. I got live cattle up a third. Lean hogs are up almost a half. Feeder cattle are up scant, 0.13%. The Dow is up, the Dow's up a third of a point. S&P is up a half. NASDAQ is up 1.1%. The S&P mini is up 0.4%. So you had to crush, you had to crush the commodities to get the Dow to go up and to get bond face values to also rise. If you're interested, the 30-year futures face value is up by a percent. 
10 uh, year face value is up by half, five year is up by a third, and the two year futures are up 0.16%. And that's just on the the price, the face value. That's, this is not anything to do with the interest rates. So if the face value of the treasury bonds went up, what happened? The interest rates went down. So there's this huge thing going on in the markets right now where everybody is like, they, they've done so much interest rate hiking. And then here comes the Fed and says, it's not enough. Inflation's still too hot. And then third parties are like going, dude, did you see these inflation numbers? This is bad. I don't think they've done enough over there at the Fed. And then that's why you get this market. That's why this market for the last couple of weeks has been the way it is. It's just stupid. Nobody knows what's going on. No, or rather, nobody can predict what's next. So everybody's in this wait and see mentality. It's bizarre, but it is what it is. <clears throat> and what it is is $27,000 or $27,435 is the price of Bitcoin right now. Average transaction value is 0.87 BTC. Median transaction values are 315 bucks. So getting back up there, block times high, 10 minutes, 22 seconds. Got ooh, 0.2 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 30 taken overall in the last 24 hours with a 0.19% increase in hash rate. BitInfo charts is flashing 450.29 exahashes per second. That's very high. Dogecoin, 6.1 United States pennies. That's telling you what the shitcoin field is doing. $537 billion is the market cap of Bitcoin. That is 4.36% of gold's entire market cap. And you can get 15.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,503,761.78 of. 5,014 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $138.1 million. We got 14,887 nodes that we can see, 64,032 payment channels that we can see, and 82.1% of all of it's being run over Tor. I do believe that is a Tor all-time high for Lightning Network usage. Mempools are getting, well, I won't say full, but we're looking at 62 blocks somewhere around there carrying only a mere by the way, a mere 30,592 unconfirmed transactions. That doesn't make any sense that there would be that many blocks for this minimal amount of transactions, but it is what it is. Eight Satoshis per V-byte going to get you in at high priority. Five pri- or five Satoshis per V-byte going to get you in low priority. And anything under 1.81 Satoshis per V-byte is being purged from mempools around the world. And 396.2 exahashes per second is what mempool.space is saying. So we'll split the difference and say 425 exahashes per second is the hash rate today. Now, I am well off the charts. I'm so far down, I don't even think I'm in the top 25. But you guys are trying to help, and I agreed it. I, 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 I agreed it. I appreciate it. These are from episode 804, Effective Greedyism. Dubrovko with 1880 says, so dang much going on in this episode. Caitlin Long discussed the rent seeking that people on the left complain about. They loan money at 2%, get 5% interest on it, and the financial system holds them up as a part of the world we can't live without. 
He also goes on to say effective altruism seems to just mean any type of rent seeking or resource extraction, especially the life force and time value of sapiens. That would be us is acceptable. How else could a group reform the world? I don't know. Maybe they'll just carpet bomb it with nuclear weaponry. Who who knows? These people are all fucking insane. Jen in Indy with a thousand says boost. Joe, oh, Joe, wait, but Josh Warby. Josh Warby. I don't know how to pronounce it. Thousand sats. Thank you, brother. In the podcast, Morbid. I actually like that one too. But sometimes the two chicks say some pretty dumb shit. LOL. Axelrod with 888 says, great show. Suggesting for future shows. Can you please read any news that is written in quote suit speak in a southern drawl of Yosemite Sam? And number two, when running the numbers, could you include the DXY dollar index which is both important if you believe BTC is a better money than the king dollar and it's the denomination of all the market prices that you cover in the running the numbers section. Thank you, sir. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe, maybe. Hold on. God's Death 370 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Cass underscore Peeland with 369 says, running my own relay plus local primal. Cool. Downside, still need Albi to sign. Yeah, I know, but I it, it, work, it works really well for me, but it cannot be skipped. It is kind of a downside because of security issues. Uh, Pies finishes us out with a thank you, brother, and 100 sats. No, thank you. And that would do it for the, do- for the uh, weather report, but let's look at DXY just for shits and giggles. And if I can remember, I will put it on future shows because I think you're right. Uh, let's see. We're down for the day. We topped out at about 107 on the DXY. We are now down to 106.69 on the DXY. Looks like it might be recovering here after 12 p.m. I'm looking at the uh, hour chart starting at like, or, or from yesterday from 8 p.m., So there's where we are on DXY. Now, that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. We're going to start this one off with Bitcoin is a possession, not property. Leon Wankum is a... Sorry. Leon, I don't mean to make fun of your name, but dude, Leon Wankum, that's freaking awesome. I'll bet you caught hell in school. Anyway, 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 um, <laughs> where am I at? <clears throat> Bitcoin is a possession, not a property. Leon Wankum from BitcoinMagazine.com. Property arises naturally through labor and through the peaceful exchange of individuals. It is a foundational concept that enables human action by allowing individuals to satisfy needs and navigate uncertainty. This results in resources being used most efficiently as individuals who own them have a strong interest in doing so. In contrast, the need for a legal definition of property by a central authority such as the state may result in resources being controlled by individuals who do not have a strong interest in using them effectively. This can lead to inefficiencies and abuse, as we can observe worldwide. Quote, The human economy and property have a common economic origin since both have their ultimate reason in the fact that there are goods whose available quantity is less than people's needs, and property is thus the same as the economy, 
not an arbitrary invention, but rather the only possible practical solution to the problem that the nature of things, the above-dimensioned mismatch between demand and available quantity of goods, imposes on us for all economic goods. That is Menger from Principles of Economics, page 56, if you're interested. When discussing the nature of Bitcoin, it's important to address this classification as property. Unlike traditional assets, Bitcoin as a digital asset cannot be classified as property because digital property is a concept that paradoxically excludes itself. Digital things do not exist. They are information. Therefore, one can never own the thing itself. While one can be in possession of Bitcoin and have complete control over it, by being in control of the private key or seed that enables the initiation of Bitcoin transactions, one can never own Bitcoin. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to this because I think he's just dead wrong unless he answers his own issue in this article. Possession is not ownership and vice versa. In political and legal philosophy, a distinction is made between possession, which Ludwig von Mises calls catalytic or sociological ownership and ownership, a normative concept, which Mises calls juristic ownership. One is factual and one is normative. In addition, the digital nature of Bitcoin complicates the definition of ownership when multiple individuals possess the same seed. In such cases, legal frameworks are required to define ownership underlying the need for assessment or reassessment of the notion of digital property. Property is fundamentally a construct of the physical world and cannot be copied digitally. The importance of Bitcoin lies in establishing a paradigm of digital self-discovery that does not rely on authorities or legal systems. It centers around cryptographic control. This provides protection against invasions of privacy and ensures the protections of individual freedom. When stored in cold storage... Right. When stored in cold storage, I lost my place. That's eh. when stored in cold storage. Those Bitcoin are the hodlers alone and are not at risk of confiscation or inflation by third parties. In addition, little can stop you from selling or taking Bitcoin with you. Uh, Bitcoin, a portable store of value. Okay. The portability of Bitcoin distinguishes it from a physical asset like gold, real estate, or art. While physical assets can be easily confiscated, destroyed, or taxed, Bitcoin's digital nature renders it highly portable. In times of conflict or flight, Bitcoin holders can securely reallocate their wealth by memorizing a seed phrase. This mobility empowers individuals to escape the vulnerabilities of legal ownership and preserve their assets independently. Bitcoin is permissionless and resistant to censorship due to its superiority as a store of value. Bitcoin has the potential to absorb a significant portion of the monetary premium that various forms of scarce goods have accumulated in the last decades under an inflationary monetary regime. This is especially relevant for real estate, as it has become the most widely used store of value under fiat. Around 67% of the world's wealth, $330 trillion, is stored in some form of real estate today. A significant portion of that is likely to flow into Bitcoin over time. Bitcoin's unique feature of absolute scarcity sets it apart from other assets. New building land can be developed. New zoning laws may allow for more building space. A living artist can create more art. Gold production can increase when demand increases and new gold can always be discovered on Earth and in space. 
The scarcity of Bitcoin, however, is immutable. The finite supply of 21 million is hard-coded into the protocol. The transparency of the open source code ensures verifiability, reinforcing Bitcoin's status as an absolute scarce digital commodity. In conclusion, Bitcoin is creating a paradigm of digital self-sovereignty, empowering individuals with full control over their wealth. Its inherent qualities, including portability, absolute scarcity, and cryptographic control, position it as a formidable store of value. It offers a new paradigm that allows with that or align, uh, excuse me that aligns with the libertarian principles of the Austrian school of economics as societies navigate an evolving economic landscape bitcoin's role in securing productivity and promoting individual freedom becomes increasingly vital the ability to store value separate from the physical world is just as important as the separation of money and the state because it guarantees everyone in the world with internet access the opportunity to build and protect wealth, which is one of the most important foundations for a free and self-determined life. Bitcoin cannot be created arbitrarily or taken easily by force, but through proof of work and cooperation. This creates the basis for peaceful coexistence and efficient resource allocation between market participants. Okay. All right. So I get what he's saying. Did at, for for Bitcoin to exhibit physical propertyness, right? Means that it could be taken from you. Like real estate. You can't move your house. If you own your house and you piss off the right people enough, they're going to come and take your house and you got exactly F all to say about it. Unless you want to defend that that house with violence and force. And I'm not, and I would, I would definitely not fault anybody for doing that. But chances of you winning that battle in the long term are very slim, right? It shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. This is reality. Moral of the story, don't piss off people if you own a house. But moreover, that's what he's saying. It's not some, Bitcoin isn't something that if you, if you do it right, Bitcoin is not something that can be taken away from you. But I have a major issue with this entire premise. And that goes back to the, well, to the Constitution of the United States. It's the fourth, the well, the Fifth Amendment. And the fourth, fourth and fifth? Let me make sure about this. I want to make sure. Hold on. Uh, fourth Amendment. Do, do, do. Protects people from unreasonable search and seizures by the government. The Fifth Amendment allows, that's the Fourth Amendment. So the Constitution through the Fourth Amendment protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures by the government. So let me see if I can get the actual, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So it's describing a warrant or a writ, right? But the fourth amendment basically says, or that, I mean, the fourth amendment says that you, that this is, these are the things that are protected. 
And you have to have a warrant in order to get these things. And that warrant is, the warrant system is definitely being abused. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying that we already have these protections. The Fifth Amendment allows you to not have to incriminate yourself. When he says this, when this author says in this article that digital things do not exist, they are information. Well, information is covered in the Fourth Amendment. So there, uh, and I don't agree. I, it's not that I disagree with his entire the entirety of his premise. I don't. I just want to, there's a distinction here. We are already protecting information. Just because it's not written on a piece of paper doesn't make it physical. It's still information. The only thing that somebody is absconding with, if they you know have a warrant to search your house and they find something written on a piece of paper that they want to take and is described in the warrant, the only thing that they've truly absconded with is a piece of paper. But what makes that piece of paper important is the information that is written upon it. And you had the choice to write the information on that piece of paper or to memorize it. But the information still exists whether you wrote it on paper or not. You see where I'm going with this? See where I'm going? Information is protected in the Constitution of the United States. Furthermore, it's, it's protected within the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights had to be in place for the ratification of the United States Constitution. If we did not have the first 10 amendments as the Bill of Rights, then the Constitution of the United States, as it was written at the time, would not have been ratified by the signers of the Constitution. When they read it, when they read the draft of the Constitution, the final draft, they were like, we're not signing this because it doesn't give me the right to free speech. It does not give me the right to bear arms. It does not give me the right to have my house not invaded and taken as sanctuary by members of the military. It does not protect my personal property. This contract. They had to have in place a Bill of Rights as a writer onto the United States Constitution before they would sign it as a contract. Our digital Bitcoin is already protected under the Fourth Amendment of the United States. That doesn't mean that it can't be seized with a warrant, but that's where the rest of this dude's argument comes into play. Take what? What are you going to take? You taking the cold card? Well, good luck because I'll just, I'll, I'll sure I'll open it up for you. Yeah, here, here's the pin code, except that that pin code bricks it because that's a feature in the newer cold cards. Put in the if you put in the uh, particular pin code, it will automatically brick that son of a bitch, and there's no hope of recovery of any of the private keys after that. I'm just saying. I'm I'm, I'm just saying. That it, first of all is protected. And then second of all, because of its ephemeral nature, that information cannot be seized if you do this the right way. If you take care of Bitcoin the right way, it can't be seized. So no warrant in the land would actually be able to affect anything. And second, they'd have to get a warrant warrant because it's information and that's protected under the fourth amendment of the bill of rights the constitution 
of the United States. I know this doesn't help someone in Spain. I get it. But as far as Americans are concerned, if we're not going to fight for this shit, then we are going to lose it. We are going to lose it. But we did gain something. In a completely different news story from No Bullshit Bitcoin, Bitcoin Core has been merged or has merged BIP324 and Assume UTXO proposals. That's right. We've got new shit on the way for Bitcoin. BIP324 will allow Bitcoin nodes to communicate with each other over encrypted connections. While Assume UTXO option is set to allow instant UTXO set bootstrapping for Bitcoin nodes. Let's get into a little bit more of what this is. BIP324 introduces a new Bitcoin P2P transport protocol which features opportunistic encryption, a mild bandwidth reduction, and the ability to negotiate upgrades before exchanging application messages. Quote, Since all data relayed on the Bitcoin P2P network is inherently public and the protocol lacks a notion of cryptographic identities, peers talk to each other over encrypted or unencrypted and unauthenticated connections. Nevertheless, this plain text nature of the current P2P protocol has severe drawbacks in the presence of attackers. This proposal for a new P2P protocol version, the V2, aims to improve upon this by raising the costs for performing these attacks substantially, primarily through the use of unauthenticated opportunistic transport encryption. In addition, the byte stream on the wire is made pseudo-random, i.e. indistinguishable from uniformly random bytes, to a passive eavesdropper. All right, so that's BIP 324. Here we come to Assume UTXO, which has been kind of eagerly awaited. Assume UTXO uses serialized UTXO sets to substantially reduce the amount of time needed to bootstrap a usable Bitcoin full node with acceptable changes in security. Quote, The implementation James O'Burney put together has implemented all the logic for importing and starting to use a UTXO snapshot as well as tools to create one in the first place. Very much like Assume Valid, Assume UTXO will simply accept an existing snapshot file as an argument and load that into the user's node and start running the node from there. This will add a massive amount of flexibility to node operators, both on the end user side, as well as businesses explain Shinobi in an article wrote for Bitcoin magazine. Quote, users can create a snapshot of their current UTXO set and store that somewhere. If their node ever crashes or any of the databases corrupt, They can simply grab that UTXO snapshot and restart their node from that block height instead of having to restart from the Genesis block. So it what that all that to say, the assumed UTXO part is is my favorite part. Because it's basically saying, look, we understand that you want to validate each and every block from the Genesis block every time that you start the construction of a new Bitcoin full node. I have one. It's over here about two feet away from me on a Raspberry Pi 4. It took a couple of days, and that was a couple of years ago. To do it the exact same way that it was done two years ago 
would probably take longer than a week, maybe even a week and a half, because so many more blocks have to be processed. And starting a full node starts with the Genesis block, validates all the transactions in that block. And this is occurring on your node, by the way. The processor, the CPU is crunching numbers and is saying, if I take all the transactions that I see in this node and I hash it, SHA-256, will I get the same hash that has been put in that very same block back when it was actually mined? And if those two hashes match, then you've got a valid, you've validated that block. It does that for every single block. So block number two, the second block in the chain, you take all the transactions in that block, you hash them together with SHA-256 and you get a hash. Then you take the hash of the block number one, the Genesis block, and the hash of the block you just validated, and you hash those together, and then you validate that, yes, this block came after this block because the hashes actually hash out. Those two hashes actually hash out to a third hash that I predicted by doing the same mathematics. That's the way this shit works. Now, multiply that by 750,000 or 850,000 blocks or whatever it is that we're at. That's a lot of compute. It's not just getting the information. It's about your computer sitting there going, I've got a lot of math to do. Because it does. It's got a lot of math to do. This basically says, do you have a whole set of UTX? Do you have the entirety? Like, let's say that the, the my Bitcoin node goes down. It fries. It just catches on fire. I get a new Raspberry Pi. I throw in... I I boot it all up with the new uh, Bitcoin core. Everything looks good. And instead of saying, you know, do it all from scratch, I say, I've got my old hard drive from my last node that had been continuously validated for two and a half years. Every block is revalidated. Not by the, not from the whole chain, just from the block before. But still, it did validate from the whole chain, and then it started validating from each individual block. I can just plug in my old hard drive. Essentially, there's a couple more things to it, but not by much. You sure as shit ain't going to be waiting around a week and a half to validate the entire blockchain. But what I, from what I understand is that we are, we are assuming the UTXO set is correct. What if it's corrupt? What if somebody gave you a bullshit set? From what I understand, all this does is allow you to have a fully validating node right from the start. But let's say you've got a corrupt UTXO set. From what I understand, in the background, it actually is revalidating the entirety of the blockchain all the way from the Genesis block, comparing it against what you have in your UTXO set. And if it's good, then it goes on to the next one. If it finds a fault, then it replaces it. That's what I understand. So it just allows you to start validating transactions immediately. But in the background, you will end up after a period of time without you knowing it, you will end up with 100% guaranteed, fully validated against all the other Bitcoin nodes in operation, the UTXO set. I think this is wonderful. I can't wait for people. Just if you're not running a node, now is the time to run a node because it's not going to take you that long to spin it up. 
Now, when this actually gets into the next version of Bitcoin, I don't know. I would presume that it's coming in the very next Bitcoin core drop. We will have to see. All right, what else is going on here? Uh, We're not going to do that one. Uh, We're not going to do that one. Uh, Nah, we're not going to do that one. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, it's Dad Says Jokes. What's the worst thing to say before you take your driving exam? This thing does have airbags, right? Brother, you're going to fail that test. You're going to fail that test in a hard, hardcore way. Now, again, if you want to support the show, God knows I need support. Uh, podcasting 2.0 is definitely my preferred method. It really is. Just throw me boostograms, you know, send me Satoshis that way or just stream me Satoshis. But you need a modern podcast app to do it. So you go to pod, newpodcastapps.com or podcastindex.org forward slash apps. Find yourself a brand new podcast app, please. For, the, for you guys that are using like Apple Podcasts, their actual app, please, for the love of God, stop because you're missing out on more, way more than just being able to stream your favorite podcasters, Satoshis. There's like, I'm there's, if you listen to podcast or podcast 2.0, the podcast from Adam Curry and his uh, partner that started this all up. Um, if you were listening to that, you'd understand all of the different tags, like live item tag. Like I don't, I don't utilize any of these tags cause I kind of don't know how, um, the, a lot of this stuff is being developed or being used in development by these guys that are building the new podcast apps. But like when I go live, it would act, some podcast apps might actually be able to say, Oh, Hey, he's live right now. You know, it's like it just went up or, you know, changing album cover art for chapters. All There's all kinds of stuff that the new podcast apps do that the old ones, the legacy bullshit, just they can't handle it because they're too weak and frail. And nobody wants a weak and frail ass application. They don't want to be using it. So don't let that be you. Now, where are we? Where are we at? I got a I got a I got a song here to play at one point or another. Uh, hold on. Yeah, this is Riot in Progress, Spank the Monkey, and I'll see you on the other side.